Welcome back to The Emily Show. Today is a little bit of a heavier topic day. I'm going to tell you what we're covering and then give you a little bit of a content warning on that. Today, I am covering the very recent arrest and indictment of cheer coach Monica Aldama's son, Austin. He has been indicted on 10 counts of possession and more of lewd images of children. And we are going to talk about those charges. I am not going to get into the heavy details of those charges. I will get into the law of those charges so we can talk about this indictment, but we will not be getting into all the details provided in the indictment because it is just horrific stuff. And then we are going to talk about Kevin Frankie and the two motions he filed against Jody Hildebrandt. Kevin Frankie is trying to make sure that the sale of Jody Hildebrandt's house does not just slip by without perhaps restitution being paid to the Frankie children and for a temporary restraining order. And we're going to go through both of those filings in detail. So an overview of what's going on with Austin Aldama and then a deep dive into the filings by Kevin Frankie. But because we are dealing with a case that deals with illicit images of children, I always like to give a warning. Yes, I sanitize these cases as much as I can. We are going to talk about the laws in Texas surrounding this. Yes, similar to the Jerry Harris case, similar to the Josh Duggar case. And we're going to talk about that too. This is not what I was expecting to see after cheer coach Monica had so much to say about how heartbroken she was about former cheer participant Jerry Harris' arrest and eventual sentence with regard to illicit images of children. This was stunning to me when I saw the news break today as recording Monday, January 22nd. So, wow, just wow. We have not seen or I have not seen a statement from Coach Monica yet. I have no idea when or if she will make a statement. She had announced her retirement not that long ago. This is going to be a really, this is going to be an episode. Like this is just, Lawnards, buckle up. We've got a couple sponsors. Thank God for them because with the support of our sponsors, we're able to cover topics that are on the most serious side of criminal law like today. So again, a huge thank you for my sponsors for riding with me even when the content is about very difficult topics like it is today. All right, law nerds, let's go. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Green Chef, for making episodes like today's possible. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company where they make eating well easy on any dietary lifestyle by delivering it to your door with fresh organic ingredients and easy to follow recipe cards. Every week you can choose from over 80 different recipes, including their new gut and brain health recipes. The gut and brain health meal plan includes a array of nutritious dinners, clean snacks, functional drinks that are all crafted to actively support the well-being of your gut and enhance cognitive health and developed in partnership with registered dietitians. But if you're just looking for meals that fit your preferences, 
They've got you covered with everything from keto and protein packed to vegan and vegetarian to gluten-free or just a more balanced meal. So find out why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well and take advantage of our offer. Go to greenchef.com slash 60emilybaker and use code 60emilybaker to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60emilybaker. I can't wait for mealtime to be easier for you. Let's get back to today's episode. So first, let's talk briefly about the Netflix sensation Cheer. I watched it. I'm sure y'all watched it when it came out. I was invested in the Navarro Junior College cheerleaders and their road to nationals, just like the rest of you. Fascinated to see the ins and outs of that sport. And as someone who did not cheer myself um, and preferred to have both feet firmly in the pool, it was not a sport that I was deeply familiar with and really um, was rooting for the kids in Navarro Cheer and for Coach Monica. Since that aired on Netflix, quite a lot has happened, including the arrest and prosecution of one of the members of that cheer team, Jerry Harris. That was a federal prosecution. He was eventually sentenced to 12 years after being federally indicted on seven counts, not just a possession of illicit images, but creation of illicit images of children. And that kind of rocked everybody because he was a fan favorite on this Netflix show. And it opened up a lot of conversations about abuse within cheer, the um, possibility for abuse within cheer and more. On this channel, I've also covered the Josh Duggar case, also a federal prosecution, also sentenced to 12 years. He was really charged on two counts, but they were uh, lesser included. So it was really one count of possession of images. And now we get this state level case with the head coach's son being arrested for possession or promotion of child pornography. That is the title of the law. Languaging and legislation around um, illicit images of children has changed names in some areas and jurisdictions. It's more routinely, more modernly now called CSAM or child sexual abuse materials. The laws in a lot of jurisdictions, though, have not caught up to that. So the law in Texas is still under the child pornography laws. So I generally and broadly refer to that as illicit images because they are illegal and improper and abusive images of children. And I think it is the easiest way for us to all be clear about what we are talking about without saying CP a million times. So I am going to be going through an overview of the indictment and the charges and then what the law is around those charges. I am not showing that indictment on the screen. Yes, I have it and I reviewed it. To those that sent it to me, thank you for sending it to me. I had not been able to pull it up earlier and I very much appreciate the Law Nerd community works hard and I appreciate you so much. However, this indictment, this 10 count indictment does show a lot of the names of the file sets and legally, but still describes what is in those image and video sets and the actions taking taken with children um, as young as seven years old in this indictment. So I'm not going to pull it up because it is quite a lot to blur out so much of this indictment. Um, 
because there's a lot of information about the image sets here, but I have reviewed it. I do have it. There are 10 counts. They are almost all second-degree felonies in the state of Texas. One of them is a third-degree felony. They are all charged as violations of um, Texas Penal Code Section 43.26E. That I will pull up, and we will talk about it. So the first uh, place I saw this news story break was on TMZ. I waited to see if other outlets were reporting it as well before I reported it and went to several outlets that seemed to be reporting from their own viewing of the court filings and not just from TMZ's reporting. So often you will get one report from TMZ and then everyone will just re-report what TMZ said. So I was waiting to see it from multiple sources and I did. I'm going to pull up the story from People uh, real quick titled Cheer Star Monica Aldama's son arrested on child pornography charges. Austin Aldama's facing 10 child pornography charges and was released on bond without having to pay the fee. I verified that through the court website as well. Um, there could be a bond on this. He was released on his own recognizance with some limitations. Austin Aldama, 27, was charged with 10 counts of CP, according to court records. He's the son of Monica Aldama, star of the Netflix show Cheer. Aldama was released on bond without having to pay the $20,000 bond set per charge. The 27-year-old son of cheer star Monica Aldama has been accused of possessing CP, according to court filings reviewed by People. William Austin Aldama, popularly known as Austin, was arrested on Thursday and charged with several counts. Ten. Ten. Several counts of possession or intent to promote illicit images. The Navarro... County Sheriff's Department confirms to people. That's on their website as well. He was arrested in Navarro County and he was charged in the 13th Judicial District of Navarro County. This goes on to say Austin's mother, Monica, was the coach of Navarro cheer team featured in the Netflix series. His arrest follows the 2020 arrest of Jerry Harris, a cheerleader at the college on child pornography charges. In 2022, Harris was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Monica had expressed her horror at Harris's arrest at the time, saying on the Tamarin Hall show, quote, it kind of took the breath out of me for a minute. She later told the Ellen DeGeneres show that she was especially heartbroken as a mother. Quote, as a parent, I was heartbroken for those affected. And, you know, it was definitely one of the major challenges that we faced just keeping ourselves in a good state of mind mentally to get through that, she said in 2022. According to the indictment, the date of this indictment all centers around the time frame of July 2022, um, not too far off in time from when Jerry Harris was sentenced to 12 years. What is wild to me is that um, this was going on with this young man who knew uh, the consequences of this very well and fully, given that his family was living through it um, and his mother was living through it as a very public figure tied to Jerry Harris while he was being prosecuted. For the counts of this indictment, they are, as I said, all charged under Section 43.26. I'm going to read you how the charging is styled without going into the descriptions of the image sets. The image sets are described in each charge. Um, I don't find those to be helpful. They are also fairly horrific. Um, from covering the Duggar case, from covering Jerry Harris's case, I think you understand what that means. So here is the charging of the law. William Austin 
Aldama, here and after style defendant on or about the 22nd day of July, 2022, and before presentment of this indictment in the county of Navarro in the state of Texas did then and there intentionally and knowingly possess or did then and there intentionally and knowingly access with intent to view visual material that visually depicted and that the defendant knew visually depicted a child who was younger than the age of 18 years old at the time the image of the child was made engaging in sexual conduct, namely, and then it goes on and identifies the different image sets and describes the conduct in those different image sets. As I said, nine of these counts are second degree felonies. One of them is a third degree felony, um, which is going to vary in the sentencing ranges. But all of these, based on what I have seen from Texas law, come with like a two-year floor and a 20-year ceiling if you get custody time. But there is on most second degree felonies in Texas, the option for probation. And for those of you asking, Emily, how does first degree, second degree, third degree, first degree is the most serious degree of felony, then second, then third, um, and then so forth. Not all jurisdictions break down felonies in degrees like that outside of uh, like homicide counts and assault counts. But in Texas, they have broken these down first, second, and third degree. And part of their breakdown in this set of laws as I was going through the code is the amount of images that is possessed in a particular image set or video set. That's part of it when you look at first degree, second degree, third degree. Also, prior convictions is part of the first degree um, charging set. So all of these are uh, possession or um, promotion counts, and the promotion is really the intent to distribute. In the Texas law, and a recent add to the Texas law is that if you have multiple image sets, it's presumed under the law that you are possessing it to um, promote it, which means essentially distributing it. So with all of this, he has been charged and arrested. He has been released OR. There is no, which means on own recognizance, there is no future court date in the system yet. It looks like he is being prosecuted in Navarro. His family is very well known in Navarro. So this will be an interesting prosecution to watch what happens. The indictment was filed on January 17th. The indictment was served on January 19th. And then he was, he would have been arrested the day that was served. And then he was released on his own recognizance, though there could be $20,000 bond with condition for each count, but he did not have to post that. So there are conditions of his release. He has been released. Um, and so that is really all that we know at this point. They are um, horrific image sets of very young children. And this prosecution is going forward in state court how the digital images were brought to local authorities' computer or local authorities' attention is something I'm very curious about. I would, I very much want to know how this came to their attention because most of the large operations that crawl the internet for these types of images and the people that possess them are done through federal law enforcement. So it's interesting to me that this was brought to local law enforcement. And I'm very much wondering 
how they became aware of it. That said, this is a grand jury indictment. This was presented to a grand jury. We will see what goes forward from there, but there will not be a preliminary hearing or the like because this has already been presented to and indicted by a state-level grand jury. Just a quick addendum and correction in the podcast. I believe a few times I talk about the fact that the file sets have children as young as seven, and this is a a correction to that because I had missed uh, the descriptions of a file set in the indictment. And the file sets do contain descriptions of children as young as two years old. Uh, I know that changes little, but I wanted to make sure that it was accurate because all of it is, the allegations are frankly horrific. So I wanted to clarify as I say throughout the podcast and if and when I say throughout the podcast as young as seven, um, I had missed a file set. So as young as two. Let's get back into this podcast. So that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. How this was discovered and what we learn about how this is discovered and how this prosecution will go forward in a a area where his family is so very well known. For those of you that reached out to me about this case, thank you. And I wanted to say thank you to Kimberly Archie, who also brought to my attention that Coach Monica's husband, 27-year-old Chris Aldama's father, is the director of probation for the Department of Corrections in Navarro County. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out, given that his father works for the Department of Corrections as their director of probation. It's just going to be an interesting case to follow, and I very much want to know how this all came to law enforcement's attention. So, um, Kimberly, thank you for bringing that to my attention. And with all of that, you guys let me know if you're going to be keeping an eye on this one, too. I will be. I'm not going to be going into the details of the image sets, but I will be keeping an eye on how this prosecution moves forward. All right, let's move on to talk about Kevin Frankie wanting Jody Hildebrandt's house. Thank you, Honey Love, for your support of today's episode and of my outfit when I went to the Vanderpump Rules premiere, because though I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to pack, I knew that I was taking my Honey Love shapewear with me. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. You'll immediately fill and see the difference. Look, there is a lot of shapewear out there, but Honey Love has not only made it easy to shop for, but it just fits under my clothes, doesn't roll down, doesn't ride up, so you're not constantly struggling with your shapewear when you just want to be focusing on the event that you're at. It's no wonder why the Superpower Short is a favorite. It smooths and sculpts your midsection without getting rid of the curves that you love. Honey Love has solved the problem of trying to struggle with your shapewear when you need to go to the bathroom. They've got that handled too. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link at honeylove.com slash lawnard to get 20% off your order at honeylove.com slash lawnard. After your purchase, Honey Love's going to ask you where you heard about them and be sure to tell them that you found Honey Love through The Emily Show. For a quick road so far on this, Kevin Frankie is Ruby Frankie's husband, 
Ruby Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, were both arrested for child abuse of Ruby Frankie's children. Both of them have since pled guilty. Both of them will be sentenced in February 2024. Ahead of the sentencing, Kevin Frankie, who has since filed for divorce from Ruby Frankie, has filed two motions in court, two ex-party motions against Jody Hildebrandt, his estranged wife's co-defendant. And we're going to go through both the temporary restraining order and the prejudgment writ of attachment and restraining order. So we're going to go through both of those motions today and break them down. I'm going to go through the restraining order first. There are going to be some details regarding the child abuse in here. I'm going to, again, do my best to sanitize the facts of this case. It is a very sad case. We will hear more about that at sentencing in February, depending on who speaks at sentencing. But remember, in Utah, a lot of the sentencing is going to be recommended by the Department of Corrections when they do their pre-sentencing investigation report. First, we are going to the motion to establish restitution and for ex parte prejudgment writ of attachment and restraining order. Kevin Frankie, father of the minor children victims herein, who were subject of abuse by the defendant in accord with UCA 77-38-9 sub 3A, moves the court on behalf of said children to consider victim restitution in this matter and further to seek from the court an emergency ex parte prejudgment writ of attachment and or temporary restraining order restraining the defendant from liquidating, concealing, or transferring her personal assets prior to the establishment of anticipated restitution and an order regarding the same owing by the defendant to any of said victims. Ex parte just means that this is without the defendant needing to be present. This individual is asking the court to do this without the defendant, with just the one party, without the other party. One, Washington County Attorney Eric Clark does not object to this motion. That is the prosecutor. Two, this motion is made in accordance with Utah Code Annotated, uh, and then it lists the sections. And these are the sections for the Crime Victims Restitution Act, list pendants, prejudgment attachment, and other rules of procedure. Facts and argument. The defendant at a hearing before the court on 12-27-23 entered pleas of guilty on four separate counts of child abuse, each a second-degree felony. The admission made in conjunction with the entry of the pleas established that the child victims of defendant's aggravated abuse suffered both physical and psychological abuse. Yes, two counts for each victim in this case, two minor children, two minor Frankie children, the victims, and the counts that were pled to both establish physical and psychological abuse. The children have undergone medical care and have been subjected to psychological assessments and ongoing mental health treatment. Good. I'm very glad that they are receiving care for them, both physically and psychologically. It goes on to say, in an attempt to assist them in comprehending and recovering from these injuries. That is going to be a lifelong, a lifelong journey. The children remain in professional care for the aggravated psychological and emotional injuries suffered. On a side note, I hope that the other children are as well. It is clear and admitted that the children suffered immediate and continuing irreparable harm as a result of the crimes perpetrated upon them by this defendant. I mean, by this defendant and their mother, 
It is generally undisputed that these children will require long-term professional care, certainly extending beyond the time of sentencing on February 20th, 2024, and likely for many years thereafter. I don't disagree. He goes on to say, once the juvenile court matter concludes, presumably and approximately no later than September 2024, the cost for this ongoing critical professional help will fall upon the children and their father. He's presuming that's because their mother will be in prison. Yes, this would be a completely inequitable result that the victims and the victim's family would have to pay for their own treatment for injuries caused by the defendant. There are some new things we learned here. First, that the juvenile court matter they anticipate going through at least September 2024. For those of you not following this case closely, the juvenile court matter is the custody matter. The divorce matter is separate from that. The children were in and under the care of the state. So the state is currently covering the cost of that mental care. It is my understanding, though the juvenile court proceedings are sealed, that the children legally are still in under the care of the state um, for like who has legal custody of them, not their father, not their mother, the state. Whether or not that care has been um, or their physical guardianship has been given to a sibling is unclear to me. But the ongoing help is being paid for by the state through at least September 2024. If you're thinking about selling literally anything, Shopify has you covered. It's what I built and grew the Law Nerd Shop on. And it's what so many on and offline businesses use to support their business. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. When I say Shopify is easy, it really is plug and play with all different types of templates you can use to get your shop up and running. Plus, their award-winning support is there to help you whether you are just starting out or looking to grow your business. Shopify has been not only a great partner on the podcast, but a great partner to the Lawnard shop to make sure that you have all the Lawnard merch that you love and I have an easy way to run the shop. They even handle all the details of calculating state sales tax and the little business sides that you might not think about when starting your shop. So whether you're selling locally at your farmer's market or you're needing an international e-commerce solution, Shopify has got you covered. And you can sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lawnard. Remember, that's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lawnard to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. And you'll start hearing this real soon. Let's get back to today's episode. It says the cost for this ongoing therapy and treatment is presently unknown to father, but could be established prior to sentencing, which is set for February 20th, 2024. The juvenile court could also provide what the state has been paying for. More importantly, the defendant, remember he's talking about Jody Hildebrandt, presently has resources from which this restitution could be funded, but such may not soon be the case. That's a weird way to say that in that the resources may be liquidated and unavailable for access should the court fail to immediately delay or prevent said liquidation or transfer. Lawyers, sometimes it's simpler to just say the simple things. The defendant would suffer no prejudice by this short delay. Under the Crime Victims Restitution Act, these children victims are entitled to restitution, which will compensate them for the injuries by way of the defendant providing restitution for any and all ongoing treatment of the injuries. 
The defendant has assets and resources sufficient to assist in the payment of this restitution in the form of real estate, financial accounts, and other personal property. Petitioner discovered that on or about Thursday, January 4th, 2024, defendant has listed for sale her home and real property located in Ivins, Utah, which was at least one location where these crimes were committed against the children. The real property consists of real and personal property belonging to the defendant located in the state of Utah, Washington County, more particularly described below, and then it gives the lot and the address and the rest of it. Upon information and belief, it's also alleged that defendant owns other personal property of value, including automobiles, a side-by-side, is that like a four-wheeler? And at the time of the commission of these crimes had financial accounts, including but not limited to checking, saving CDs, 401ks, and other such accounts, either in the name of the defendant or being held by other third-party entities for the defendant, which may include but are not limited to Pan Botcher Connections, LLC, Connections spelled with an X, or other third-party entities. The property has not been taken for a tax assessment or fine. To petitioner's knowledge, the property has not been seized under writ against the property of the defendant, except for any existing mortgage. To petitioner's knowledge, no other person or entity claims any interest in the property. The listing of the home for sale has a listing price of $5.1 million. Excuse me, am I reading that correctly? Yes, Emily, you've continued to read that correctly. The listing for the sale of the home has a listing price of $5.1 million. It is assumed that there is significant equity in the home. However, without knowledge of the existing mortgage, petitioner is not aware of the exact amount of anticipated profit. This property does not constitute earnings and should not be exempt from the execution upon a judgment being entered. The petitioner is not seeking these orders from the court to hinder, delay, or defraud a creditor of the defendant. This is all boilerplate stuff about whether or not this can be granted. Petitioner would therefore request that a writ be issued ex parte given the listing of the property and further request that pursuant to statute, defendant be given notice and opportunity to be heard and reply no later than February 19th, 2024, 24 hours prior to the sentencing. Granting this motion would be in the public interest in that it protects victims of crime. Uh, and then it's signed by the attorney for Kevin Frankie and signed by Kevin Frankie, um, given to all the attorneys. And then the exhibit on this looks like a Zillow screenshot with a picture of the home. There's 157 photos of the home. Yes, I'm going to include the Zillow listing in the description below if you are interested in going and looking at the photos of this home. Because if you're like me, you are absolutely interested in taking a look at this home. It is listed as five bedrooms, six baths, 10,000 square feet at five point. $3 million. Oh, Kibley, there's a YouTube video with a realtor showing the listing photos. I'm not surprised. I'll just list the Zillow listing. Let's go to the judge's order on this because the first time I read this, I read it as a separate motion, but it's not. It is Judge Walton's order, his ex parte temporary restraining order. The court, having reviewed Mr. Frankie's motion and the pleadings submitted in support thereof and being sufficiently informed in the premises, hereby finds as follows. One, the father is the parent of two minor children who are victims of the defendant's crimes. Two, on December 27th, 2023, the defendant entered pleas of guilty to four separate counts of child abuse, a second-degree felony. 
The admissions made in conjunction with the entry of the pleas established that the child victims of defendants' aggravated abuse suffered both psychological and physical injuries. Based upon the uncontradicted verification of Mr. Frankie, the children have undergone medical care and have been subjected to psychological assessment and ongoing medical health treatment in an attempt to assist them in comprehending and recovering from the injuries. The children have undergone medical care and have been subjected to psychological assessment and ongoing mental health treatment in an attempt to assist them in comprehending, understanding, and recovering from these injuries. The children remain in professional care for the aggravated psychological and emotional injuries suffered. It is clear and admitted that the children suffered immediate and presently irreparable harm as a result of the crimes perpetrated upon them by this defendant. It is generally undisputed that these children will require long-term professional care, certainly existing beyond the time of sentencing, uh, February 20th, 2024, and likely for many years thereafter. And it goes on to restate quite a lot of what is stated in Kevin Frankie's motion. And the court restates the facts that we've just read in Kevin Frankie's motion and then says, order. The court hereby issues a prejudgment writ of attachment to the real property located in Ivins, Utah, more particularly described, and it describes the lot, the subdivision, the address, and the rest of it. The court further orders that the defendant or her representatives or designees are hereby restrained from signing, disposing of, concealing, transferring said property until the sentencing of defendant, which is set to occur on February 20th, 2024, meaning the house cannot sell yet because a amount of restitution has not been assessed yet. Any security requirement or otherwise imposed upon the petitioner is hereby waived uh, in that the petitioner is representative of crime victims who are minor children. Four, a remote preliminary injunction review hearing is set for February 1st, 2024 at 9, 10 a.m. before the judge. The parties may appear virtually at this hearing. This writ and temporary restraining order is extended until further order of this court. It is so ordered. And that was entered on January 12th, 2024. So what we learned roughly from Kevin Frankie's filing is that not only is Jody Hildebrandt's $5 million house for sale, but that the children are still undergoing treatment that he is trying to make sure that restitution is paid. These none, Nothing similar was filed against Ruby Frankie. They are still married. So any assets of Ruby Frankie's are technically his assets as well. So filing this against Ruby Frankie doesn't do a lot to help him recover assets that are not marital assets to pay the restitution for the harm done to his children. But the pleas of Ruby Frankie and of Jody Hildebrandt when they pled guilty are very similar the facts admitted are very similar. So these co-defendants are both responsible for the horrific abuse of two of Ruby Frankie's children, though I think getting whatever money they can get from Jody Hildebrandt and restitution from Ruby Frankie, should she earn any money in custody, is absolutely appropriate. At sentencing, we will either hear that restitution is ordered and an amount or we will hear that a restitution hearing is put over for a later time where they can assess uh, more appropriately what the ongoing needs of these minor children might be until they are into adulthood and beyond, because these are injuries that are going to take time to heal both physically and psychologically. I'm glad that even though Kevin Frankie is not uh, have custody of his children, that he is doing something at this point to stand up for them and their rights. Is money going to fix it? No. 
but I hope it is a stress that these children don't have to worry about taking care of their ongoing needs in this way going forward because they shouldn't have to. So feelings about Kevin Frankie aside, I hope that the money from the sale of this house goes to support these young victims in their healing. And with that, we have covered two very heavy topics today. So law nerds, make sure you take care of yourself and we will see what happens going forward from here. I'm interested to see how much restitution is ordered for these two victims. I hope that if there are other children victims of Jody and Ruby, that those charges would have or will be brought. So I'm hoping with that, that the other children are safe and well. Um, I, I worry just like all of you do, but I'm hoping that because no other charges were brought, that those children are safe and well. I'm trying to be optimistic about that. So with all of it, Lawnards, take care of yourselves. It is heavy. The wheels of justice do work slowly, but in this case, we are finally seeing them work. So I will be covering the sentencing on February 20th. There's a lot of court that we're going to be covering before then. Stay tuned on the Law Nerd app to know when I am streaming and what, because we have some live court coming up next week for you. Uh, so I'll be gavel to gavel most of next week. And with that, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Law Nerd. And may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your families be well. May your weather start to get warm. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Lawnard, I will see you in the next one. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnard. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnard.